0: This is episode 237, which is actually, to me, a very special number <laughs> because, of course, that's the room in Stanley Kubrick's The Shining where, right. where bad stuff happens. I'm curious. Have you seen Ready Player One? Maybe you even – you're the one who told me I should go see Ready Player One.
1: <laughs> I guarantee you I didn't tell you. You should go see it. But, yes, I've seen it.
0: Um and so here's a bit of a spoiler. Uh, I, I don't... Did, is it a spoiler? I don't know. At this point, I feel like the movie's been out on home video for a while. So I will say that in Ready Player One, there is an homage to The Shining. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. I, I went into the Ready Player One knowing almost nothing about it. My son and I went to see it in the theaters. Uh, yeah. I am, of course, a you know, huge Spielberg fan. Um uh, it sounded like a good movie, you know it 's like virtual reality right apocalyptic future uh blah 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 I was like all right that 's it i don 't need to know anymore and I went into this movie blind and when the shining sequence came on i i, I swear to you i wept i I had actually had tears <laughs> <laughs> streaming down my face like <laughs> i actual tears it was so amazing i, I mm. I absolutely cannot believe how how good it was, well,
1: you know what they say, John Representation matters
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I i don't know about the movie overall <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. I mean <laughs> I think that's the general consensus. People found things to like right, but then they the immediate caveat is, I don't know about the movie overall.
0: <laughs> I guess I would still recommend the movie overall because it is it held my interest mm-hmm. uh. I let's put it
1: this way like it's it did I think the best it could do with the source material yeah. which was not very I mean I, you know I don't know I I'm not really in I don't live in fear of angering um Ready Player One fans right. you know it's not something I quake about uh but that said I probably will anger some people but I just think the book is and it's terrible you know and and I think the author is certainly has had a vision and, and certainly has a lot of clever ideas and things like that. But the book itself is very poorly written. I believe it's very amateurish and it's prose and it totally took me out of the story. And then a lot of the concepts in the story are very, I don't know, either basic or not very well thought out or, or don't take into account like, you know, simple logic and things like that. And, you can totally set all those things aside and go, you know, I just loved it. It was a rollicking good time and all of that stuff. And I I, I get it. I get it. And I'm not telling anybody else they shouldn't like it. Just for me, it wasn't so great. And so the watching the movie, I was very, very concerned. I'm like, ah, am I even being able to make it through this thing? And I actually didn't watch it for a long time and then saved it for a plane ride, which is what you do with hmm. those kind of movies. And I ended up watching it on the plane and it was just fine. It really was just fine. Like I didn't, you know, it wasn't like I came away from that with any sense of like oh I wasted my time. I was like that was, you know, it's absolutely enjoyable. Uh great actors in it. Um Lena Waith is in it, uh who's one of my favorite actresses. Uh, she's an amazing director as well. Uh director's a a great series called Chicago Land if you haven't seen it. It was also in Master of None uh, season 2. Uh, or season, both seasons, but season two, she directed an episode that I think won an Emmy. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good things to love about that in Spielberg, right? Like he right. knows how to handle those big things and treat them with a sense
0: of truth. So I came away feeling okay about the movie itself. It's, I'm glad that Spielberg is still so productive. And I mean, it, I would say bordering on prolific, right? I mean, mm-hmm. in in some ways it's it's the opposite of, kubrick who who as you know years went on was almost spiraling into like a logarithmic scale on how frequently movies came out right right. um uh, but it's funny because he's so gifted he he literally uh, you know like like in um a debate class or law school, you know, you're, you're always expected. You could argue, you have to be ready to argue either side, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't just say, well, I think this guy is guilty. So I would like to prosecute him. You know, you'd sure. you might be have to defend them. The, the yeah.
1: What's your argument for the defense? Yeah. And
0: and in that way, it's like if you were in like a debate and you were going to have to argue for somebody to be the best filmmaker ever, And you got dealt the card, Steven Spielberg. I would, I, it may not be who I would have picked out of the deck, but I would be like, ooh, this, this, I can do this, right? I can make Mm -hmm. the argument that he's the best there ever was. Right. Um, But what's weird about him as arguably, you know, certainly one of the best, but it's like he occasionally puts out some real clunkers, you know, like ones (laughs) that are like, I don't even see how anybody thought this was a good idea, right? Like Indiana mm-hmm. Jones 4, whatever that was called, you know. Sure. Like that like, was a bad movie. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Kingdom or of the like Crystal that? Skull. Like that is it, it is very very difficult to believe that that was made by the same people who made the first movies in the series, right? Like and, and that's one in particular where I'm a particular humongous fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark and I would even say yeah. to the other It comes with a lot of baggage, right? in right. your mind. You know, mm-hmm. and that you know, I like Temple of Doom, and I like the, uh, uh, the Last Crusade. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought they were good sequels, and you know, but they weren't Raiders. There was something, there was some ineffable. Uh, there's something about Raiders and the exact tone that it strikes that they never mm-hmm. seem to have been able to recapture. You know, maybe right. can't be recaptured. It was just so perfect. I, I, but. The Crystal Skull one—it's like how is this made by the same people? I cannot believe this, right? <laughs> right? Ready Player One is not in that territory. Ready Player One is is pretty good, but it's still—you have to—it's like you said about the source material. It's like I, I, it's like I'm not sure how before they even started production how they thought this was going to be that good. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it—you know—the problems were very clear on their face walking into it, right? right. Like, you know, you looked at that and you said, okay, here are your issues. It's a jumble of pop culture stuff without any true, like, gluing force, right? right. Uh, it, it's an enormous amount of exposition going on in it that really has nothing to do with a, an ongoing story. Like, it's it's just a lot of digression into his personal likes, the author's personal likes, right? right? Like, oh, I loved this game from the 70s, so now I'm going to describe it to you in intimate detail. Right. right? Yeah. And I think one of my original issues with the book, and I, the reason I read it twice, even though I hated it, uh, is which I do sometimes, cause just to make sure. But I, <laughs> I, I listened to the audiobook, and Will Wheaton read it. And hmm. I like Will Wheaton quite a bit, but I find his audio narration to come off as quite smug. Mm. like in in it, it normally i don't mind it you know I, I i totally like the guy a lot i like his writing and, and all
0: of this but when his he was narrations reading, his narration's a little too wesley crusher is what you're saying
1: yeah basically <laughs> and and the situation is is that you had that source material you yeah. know, with its particular proclivities to like condescension and like, oh, you didn't know about this game, but I'm going to explain it to you in detail and why it was so amazing and whatever, right? And then you pair it with his voice, and I, yeah. I convinced myself that maybe I was just I had some sort of anaphylactic reaction, right, <laughs> to the to the combination. So I went ahead and read it myself, you know, like uh, in in text form, and I was like, oh no, I I was. <laughs> it was It was bad it's good did you sound like it he did, he, he did did he enjoy he it? He, and he, yeah. he
0: had in fact read the book beforehand and mm-hmm. we had a very uh i thought very interesting conversation after the movie about it was you know like <laughs> to me this is good parenting it's like we had a very like an hour long conversation about
1: mm-hmm.
0: movie versions of books and and of course yeah that you know there's <laughs> there's a lot of people who just have their take on it is the book is better than the movie. And that's their yeah, entire the take. book is the, the North and, star and right? that's it. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's not a good take. And we, you know, he's seen the shining. Uh, I think he's even mm-hmm. read the book on the shining. And I was like, the shining is, you know, maybe the canonical example where the book is excellent and the movie is amazing and they're totally different. And, mm-hmm. you know, the author of the book had, because it was different, had uh, bad feelings about the movie. And then he made his own version <laughs> for t- television and it was all terrible. yeah right <laughs> did you ever see that i actually it's
1: funny because i never did i've only heard about it like apocryphally yeah.
0: i don't know what even made me watch it because like for example uh i've never seen the movie 2010 because it uh-huh. to me is it's like uh uh what's that word when you're uh breaking a religious law
1: uh oh uh well not verboten um know uh hmm. taboo or no nope.
0: uh, god dang it. i know what you're talking about but it's not coming to me yeah not coming to me either but that's what i i feel yeah. like it, that you know you can't just make an unauthorized sequel to 2001 what the hell's wrong with you so i won't i won't even watch it
1: <laughs> we'll not right. even look at it now, uh, now was isaac isaac asimov was not alive
0: right when the no, not that. Asimov. It was uh, yeah. Arthur C. Clarke, as you're thinking
1: of. I'm sorry. Uh, excuse me, Arthur okay. C. Clarke. I apologize. Yeah, but he, was he alive at the time they made 2010? I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. He wrote the book. You know, he, he yeah, wrote. No, like a, certainly. I read the book, and right. and I'm almost positive I did see the movie. But it, it's in the sort of in the hazy reaches of my movie watching past, you know, I, right. I don't, I doubt I dwelled on it, which
0: probably says a lot, yeah. you know, about I know. It. I, and I should, I don't know why I, I'm irrational. I am. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. <laughs> I, I have, never. My, I have some ups.
1: never crossed my mind.
0: Uh, but for whatever reason, I decided I would watch the ABC miniseries, the shining, that okay. you know, Stephen mm-hmm. King. It was, I think it was called Stephen King's the shining. Just so you knew that this one was by the book. Got it. And it was, mm-hmm. it was BAD bad. <laughs> It's just bad. It's just poorly made, poorly shot, poorly mm-hmm. cast. <laughs> like anything yeah. that can be bad about it was bad. Well, it's like, you t-
1: you know, people use that phrase too close, right? You know, you're too close to something to right. see it right. for what it is or to see the value in it. And, um, you know, I certainly believe that that even great authors or great Playwrights or screen
0: screenwriters can fall prey to that, and I think that's an example of that for sure. Yeah,
1: you need a a distant eye to look at it for you.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Ready Player One's Overlook thing made me weep. It was so good and so amazing (laughs) and so loving and just so you know, just the right and it was just the right length, you know. Right. So it's to to me
1: there was was lots of great stuff in there like that, I think,
0: but it's just you know
1: the the overall
0: was a little bit rough for me. Um, but the other thing about Spielberg, I, I want to before we we <laughs> go off it is he's also mm. making still making some amazing amazing movies. Have you seen Bridge of Spies?
1: I haven't yet, and oh. it, it's on my list. But I yeah, it looks looks amazing.
0: It it's like this late stage collaboration with Tom Hanks and Spielberg is amazing. The Post mm-hmm. is really good too. Um, Bridge of Spies, though in particular, is is one that I would hold up. So you know, anybody out there is looking for movies to watch over the holiday season. Bridge of Spies mm-hmm. is so good, and it's you know, it's like proof that he still got it. But it almost it's it's interesting to me that he wavers between like a quote, small movie like Bridge of Spies, which isn't really mm-hmm. effects laden. I mean, you know, the, the effects are that it, you know, takes place in the past. So, I mean, there's obviously right. some sort of, you know, special effects trickery going on there, but it's not a blockbuster, you know, right? $500 million grossing movie. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a movie for adults, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I do. I worry. I, it It is interesting because the other thing about like a movie like Ready Player One, which was clearly meant to be like a ginormous worldwide blockbuster is um, and it was the explanation that I saw for why Crystal Skull was the way it was that when they make movies now that are supposed to be you know like one of the top grossing movies of the year it's like mm-hmm. it, it's also arguably why the James Bond movies have gotten a little incoherent is that it's all about the spectacle and the worldwide b- box office is so much bigger than the US box office that the sense that a movie makes by listening to the dialogue and what they say isn't even that big a consideration anymore because the idea, you know, most of the people mm-hmm. who are going to be buying tickets to see it are don't, not even
1: going to care. Yeah, yeah,
0: that it's all either dubbed or subtitled or something, right? It's right. just the spectacle of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that you know that concern has been around for a long time since the blockbuster. Well, Star Wars really birthed the blockbuster, right? But since that time, I think that. It, Film, you know, people interested in film who've written about it or talked about it—that's been a major concern. But I think it's—we've gotten to the point where we had all the arguments, and now everybody just assumes it's true, and nobody bothers to really push back against it and go like, "Oh no, you know, it's a thinking man's blockbuster or whatever." We've gotten to the point where we sort of. You know, you have all the arguments, but the generation that had the arguments is now past, and the generation <laughs> that has grown up with that in their face is now here, and they don't care. You know, yep. and it's it's an interesting one. But there, they're, every once in a while, you will still see these big movies that manage to have just a great combination, of course, of director, screenwriter, you know, team, etc. You can almost never credit one person, um, but that do it right. And like Mission Impossible was quite excellent in that regard because it certainly was a blockbuster but the last i think three have been attached you know because they they used to be pretty standalone right yeah but the last three of them have sort of been attached to
0: one another did you see the latest one Yeah, i did i did yeah what would you think what'd you think uh good enough you know i'm not Mm -hmm. disappointed i i you know it is effectively i have been thinking about it i thought about before i even hit play on it uh i think i Mm -hmm. just watched it last weekend um definitely recently um you know it seems very obvious but i also seem to be personally 15 years late to the realization that the mission impossible and ethan hunt are america's james bond james bond right right mm-hmm. it's you know yeah uh, yeah I, I i like the series a lot it's you know it's you know as as a bond fan i i feel like you how could you not uh it is interesting to me that It's an interesting film series to me because they try not to. There's a formula, obviously, but they try not to remake it. And that they've done, you know, even just by starting with by having the first one helmed by Brian De Palma, you know, Mm -hmm. who is sort of the.
1: Well, it was a noir, right? right? It was an action movie, or a noir disguised as an action
0: movie, which he's, I thought was he's brilliant. He's sort of the failed Spielberg. I, 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 that sounds yeah. wrong, because I, I, I'm a huge right. De Palma fan, you know? But, sure. But at at a certain point in the 70s, he was shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder with Steven Spielberg, you know, and, and mm-hmm. was sort of the, you know, and Lucas and... Francis Ford Coppola, you know, that, and, and Scorsese, that there were all these guys who were, you know, and, and they they were all came of age in the 70s and made these amazing mm-hmm. movies. And they all sort of had their personal styles, you know, like De Palma's camera movement, you know, De Palma was moving the camera around before Steadicam was even invented. I don't even know how to, you know. -hmm. So it was fascinating that the first one was De Palma, and it's I love the first one is truly a magnificent movie. Um, But then they had what John Woo directed the second one or the third one?
1: Yeah, the second one. The second one was John Woo's. I mean, he had made other stuff before in the U.S. Uh, He made um, uh, Broken Arrow, I think. Yeah, but it was supposed to be his big entry into the U.S. market. And it certainly was very John Woo. I mean, you know, you can't say that that movie wasn't a John Woo movie. He even had the slow motion
0: doves. I mean, it was... (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah. He had the doves. But it wasn't the right choice. And it was certainly, you know, the most incoherent. Ironically... I think some of the most like weird and awkward and, and good and, and in that way, villain performances, Doug Ray Scott is the villain in that. And it's, he's just so sneery and, and malevolent, you know. Um, but it, was, it had some good things about it. And a lot of the good things were basically Tandy Newton and Doug Ray Scott, you know. Mm. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a misstep. But then the third one recovered big time you know and it just just has gone on to be i think a really really great example of the action or blockbuster genre that manages to to miss out on the you know oh this is a horror show and you know is not worth your intellectual interest
0: you know, kind of thing that's been happening with these movies.
1: Yeah. I, Speaking of I, which, have you have you seen? Oh, I'm sorry. I digress. Go well,
0: ahead. Well, I, 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 I'm before we get off Mission Impossible. I, I like yeah, the series yeah. a lot, and I like the mm-hmm. last one. It's it it's good. It's probably it's not my favorite. I don't know. I, maybe because mm-hmm. there was a little too. Uh, there wasn't like a there there. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'd give it at least a B plus. Certainly worth uh-huh. watching. And it was it was a little long. Like I I. I'm not quite sure why it was over two hours long,
1: but yeah, I think I think that's a disease all movies are suffering from. You know, the editors are getting less and less power, and the directors are getting more and more power. And um, you know, e- e- the analogs of the corporate world are strong. You know, e- when you get a CEO and there's nobody there to tell him no, right. you end up with <laughs> you end up with problems. And the director's the CEO of that production, and you know, you need an editor to be
0: like, nah. You know, who else has directed? I mean, with the list of directors of the Mission Impossible movies, is so great. Uh, Brad Bird directed the one, uh, that's right. J.J. J. Abrams directed, mm-hmm. was that the third one? That I think he directed two, uh, DJ Abrams, yeah, but really great directors. And it, you know, I don't know, it's a great series, and I think it's a real testimony to Tom Cruise. I mean, however weird he is in his personal life, he's really, really racked up a, a hell of a film, uh.
1: Catalog. yeah so the yeah john uh, john woo was the the second one of the jj abrams sort of resurrected it you know with mission impossible three and remember it was it was only four years between the first two and then six years to the second or yeah. to the third one because i think everybody was like oh god that's over right right um and but then jj abrams kind of resurrected it, and then brad bird um which was one of the best entries in the in the whole series and then yeah. rogue nation and Fallout are both Christopher McQuarrie. Mm, that's right, that's right. Which is, yeah, uh, both of them I think are, are
0: excellent. Yeah, no, it's a good series, but, I really liked it.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the way that, that the Bond films sort of ebbed and flowed with the quality of the director, you know, sometimes you would get a director yeah. in, in the 70s who who went on to be... To be great, but at the time was just sort of doing whatever, and then sometimes you got directors who were on the wane, right? right. And like they they were friends of the Broccoli's or something, right. and they got they got a directing job, and you sort of saw the difference. But I, what I was going to say about the blockbuster big movie thing, and I, I'm I'm not going to talk about the movie at all because it's opening today. You know, I won't talk about plots but uh, particulars. But uh, into the Spider Verse, Spider Man animated oh, yeah. film. Yeah, I've heard about out. this. Yeah. I highly, I mean, I don't, know, you know, I don't know when this will air, but if if you haven't seen it by now, if you didn't go see it on opening weekend, go go see it immediately. Mm. It's amazing. And not only is it one of the best Spider Man movies, if not the best Spider Man movie ever made, it is just a, an incredible animated film with a ton of heart. Really, you know, conscious of the world we live in. Really entertaining and and heartwarming. And it, it sort of does – it pulls this magic trick in that it it does that thing where a movie deconstructs the genre that it's in. Mm. You know, you've seen this with some other movies where, you know, it's a very self-referential in terms of like – it knows it's an action movie so it's going to play with the tropes. Let's let's say True Lies or something like yeah. that, right? Um where, you know, this this action movie is just it's so over the top because it knows it's supposed to be and it also comments on it, you know, whatever. But it does that for comic book movies and comics mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's that is also very respectful, right? Of the of the genre. It does not Make fun of it; it right. makes you feel like these are fans of this, you know, drama that made it, and they want you to have the best experience possible. And it's really good; I yeah. highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, it looks good. I, um, it just also seems well cast. Um, I know; I, I don't know much about it. I, I again, I, it's <laughs> a lot like Ready Player One. I kind of got the gist. I get it. Multiverse. There's multiple Spider-Mans and sure. some kind of dimensional thing, right? People are shooting through different dimensions, and you get a whole bunch of different universes where there's always a spider-man all right cool yeah Uh, i'm sold
1: which is a concept that was established in the comics you know so the comics already have established the framework for that but none of the movies
0: have ever touched on that but the only other thing i know about it uh is that at least one of them I, i believe he's a peter parker is uh played by john mulaney who's uh a stand-up comedian who
1: yeah john mulaney plays and I, this is not a spoiler because it's in the credits of you know yeah. imdb etc but he plays peter porker mm. which is and it's in the trailer so i'm fine mentioning it but gotcha. peter porker yeah is I, I wouldn't call that like a, a mad magazine yeah pig version comic book version of
0: <laughs> well, spider-man spider pig spider Pig, right
1: exactly then. and it's it's amazing i yeah. mean the the, how that's handled in the movie is incredible i mean you would think that something like that would take you completely out of it and kill any dramatic momentum the movie had but they somehow managed to sidestep it entirely john Mulaney
0: is a a national treasure in in my opinion big fans here in the gruber household we've gone to see him all three of us he's he's truly truly and a Terrific stand up comedian, and I can totally see how his voice would be perfect. Like, he could make a living right. in doing animated movies, you know? He's got a oh, great yeah. voice, yeah, absolutely.
1: But the, the cast overall is really good. That's uh, Haley Steinfeld is in it, Jake Johnson is in it, who's many people probably know from the that uh, uh zoe deschanel tv yeah. series i don't know i never watched it uh but he's a great actor i like him um but the lead the miles morales who's the the kind of lead spider man uh spider spider young person um <laughs> is played by this guy named shamik moore hmm. um and shamik moore is not known to a lot of people although i think this will certainly get him a a big exposure but he was in this movie called dope which mm. was very underseen and incredibly funny. Um I really really liked it. Um but it it was a super talented actor and mm. and definitely held his weight with other characters. And there are other people in it that are yes, they're in the credits, but I don't want to mention them
0: because when they right.
1: when they pop up people will be like holy crap, you know. Yeah, it's a <laughs> but um <laughs> so yeah, it's the, a lot the,
0: like it's sort of like Ready Player One that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I mean the uncle voice which is fine. The uncle voice which I'll mention Um, Is played by um, Maharshal Ali, Hmm. so it's you know there there's amazing an amazing cast of this. Lily Tomlin plays Aunt May, you know, so it's it's great. It's they they got a really solid.
0: What's the story on how this movie even came to be? Because it's like for as rich as Disney is. The mm-hmm. the Marvel film universe is still like the it is like this, the worst
1: it's fragmented. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> right. It, it's, it, it, it's the victim of really poor decisions made by a flailing Marvel, you know, right. in the 90s or, or right. late 80s. early Right. 90s. When Marvel yeah.
0: was flailing, they sold like the X-Men to Fox and mm-hmm. Spider-Man, spider-man to, to sony. sony and right. it was exciting because sam raimi was going to make it and I, I i'll tell you the truth i've never been a big sam raimi fan and okay the spider-man movies he made are exhibit so a we
1: can't be friends but well, that's I, fine I, no, I'm,
0: I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it's yeah.
1: It's, what is it that you don't like about him is it the is it the the humor or yeah, is it the, it's, the,
0: it's what he thinks is funny and i don't okay, think it's yeah' funny. got it and, 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 i, no, I figure <laughs> i and I don't know like to me the way that he made the spider man movies maybe that's the way they had to be made I don't know but uh-huh. it's it's almost like there's a there's always been like a video gameness to his visuals that mm-hmm. I don't like you know okay. and and I don't know. I enjoyed them. I've watched all the Spider-Man movies. I think, uh, but why? What a twisted saga! And and now they've you know they've somehow got Spider-Man in the regular Marvel universe through some kind of mm-hmm. finagling. But what's the deal? Like they had like an exception for animated movies. Is that is that what happened legally? Um, no,
1: it's uh, um, the studio. Is it, it, it's Columbia and and Sony and Marvel co production, hmm. right? So it is still a Sony thing because hmm. they do own the licenses, for, even for animated stuff. Um, but Marvel and Sony have this sort of deal this cross licensing deal now where marvel basically gets to use the character but sony is still making like venom and like other spider-verse characters stuff yeah um but heard, it, it's very it is very complicated i heard you know, that was what terrible done,
0: somebody I, I read like a review of the venom movie and they were yeah. like this <laughs> this movie doesn't even make any sense
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it. And it's unfortunate, too, because Venom's such a great character. But I'll be honest, I never really had any sort of faith in Venom as a a character that was not... an immediate foil for spider-man i mean like the whole reason venom was invented was to explore the darker side of of you know what what peter parker could be or was and it came out of the whole secret wars thing which is a whole nother story but (laughs) i I really do believe that it's like (laughs) spider-man without venom is pointless
0: as hell you know in my opinion but yeah i was um, i I was reading comic books back in the secret wars era uh wasn't there wasn't that was that Am I misremembering that? It was like he got like uh he got the black costume from outer space and
1: yeah, well it was when they were fighting. Yeah, it was when they're fighting in the Secret Wars off planet, yeah. and he his suit got damaged or whatever, and he found this um this suit that was just sort of um like ready-made or there right. and, and he came upon it and, and everybody's like uh maybe you shouldn't put that on you know what <laughs> I mean? like where did it come from um but it was the symbiote it was right. so it was a it was an alien that uh, gave him additional strength and power right. and uh eventually became you know obviously its own villain right. when it attached to eddie brock right but yeah that's where he acquired it off planet right. um yeah and um it was it was very it was a very interesting, it was it was fun. It was a sort of precursor to Infinity War. Yeah. Um, you know, in that and it was it was definitely a an interesting kind of crossover big event. I mean Marvel was doing a lot of those in that era. Yeah. Um but then the I, I have uh, so one of my personal I have, I have a few personal comics that I really I held on to. Like I had Amazing Fantasy fifteen for a while but ended up selling it. Um that's the first appearance of Spider Man um and then uh, i have uh but i have a web of spider-man number one which is the web of spider-man number one is when he realizes that the suit is no good for him Hmm. and he has to get rid of it and he tries to get it off of himself you know that's that storyline yeah Yeah. and it's just like that was just one of my treasured you know belongings growing up and like i I had a lot of love for the venom character so i haven't even seen the movie because i don't want to be sad right (laughs) you know i just don't want to be sad um but anyhow, yeah, I think it's it it's the the animated one sidesteps a lot of the problems that could have cropped up, and I think the secret sauce there, which is no real secret, is um, Miller and Lord. Hmm. So um, I don't know if you know no. uh, who Christopher Miller and Phil Lord are. No, but they did the. They started off um, in like 2009. They made this movie called
0: Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Sure, have you ever seen it? Uh, well, I know the book and I think we watched the movie too. Yes. Yes. We did watch okay. the movie. It was when, okay. uh, it was age it's appropriate delightful. for my son. Yeah. 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 It's hilarious. Yeah, my son was around five at the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's hilarious. It's funny and, and, and heartfelt and kind of zany, but in that good way and, and totally proves why, um, What's his name uh, from SNL? The the lead actor in in that uh, uh, what, Bill, Hader. Uh, yeah. Bill Hader, yeah, Bill Hader. Well, he's such a great voice talent. And he, yeah. you know, he's in some Pixar stuff now because he's yeah. a big Pixar fan. But um, anyhow, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was great, and they they kind of cut their teeth on that, and they ended up playing that into directing Twenty One Jump Street. Ah, huh. and and which um, you, have you ever seen that?
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: I, I think yeah, I that Twenty One Jump Street was. <laughs> I don't um, know why I don't you know, remember. Jonah, <laughs> yeah, Jonah Hill. And I mean, it's not like you need to remember anything about the movie. I mean, It was very funny, right. you know, but it's one of those things. It's like, okay, that was hilarious, but it's not, you know, right. going to be on your rewatch list. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, Jonah Hill was in that. Uh, and that was a project that he tried to get off the ground. It was sort of his genesis. But uh, Miller and Lord directed that. And it was a big hit, a very surprise hit, because everybody was like an R rated comedy starring Jonah Hill and. Um, uh what uh um who was the other oh channing tatum you know and 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 all based off of 21 what you know (laughs) 21 jump street and but it was a huge hit surprise hit so that sort of like gave them a platform to stand on um and then they they made um 22 jump street as well but they made their biggest bang with the lego movie
0: Oh, so they're okay.
1: they're behind the Lego movie, gotcha. and so when you look at that, you go like, okay, anima- animation expertise, yeah. um, great sense of humor. They honor material. I mean, the Lego movie when you know you first saw that was coming out, you're like, oh god, what cash in job is this gonna right, be, right? right? And and it was hilarious, and right. somehow managed to like honor the origins of all those superhero characters as well as the concept and feeling of Lego and like right. the joy of creation and family and all of this stuff. And you're like, how the hell did this happen in right. a Lego movie? You know? So it just proved that they, they really had chops. And so when I heard the project was going to, was going to fire up like an animated Spider-Man, I was like, ugh, you know, another one. Cause they've all been crap. All the animated Spider-Mans mm-hmm. have been pretty terrible. Um, but it was produced by Amy Pascal and I'm like, well, she's not, you know, she's not a dummy. Um, and then, um, they got attached, uh, yeah. filler and lore got attached. And I was like, Oh hell yeah. Like I'm in like whatever they do, I think they'll do it right. And they managed to chart the course between Sony and Marvel and all of that to be, to use the, the extended universe and the characters and to do it right.
0: And it was good. Yeah. It was really, really good. Yeah. Cause the other thing when I, when you hear animated superhero movie, you think about those awful, awful DC ones that they keep churning out. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't watch them, I but I can't help but watch the previews. Like I see a new one show up in iTunes, and I'm like, "Well, right. let me let me see how bad this one looks." And yeah, they,
1: they're like, "How much of an asshole can Superman be?" Right.
0: And they're, <laughs> you know? they're 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 made using that like whatever the you want to call the style. It it's like, but it's like the a low the dower filter. But it's like even like a low frame rate, you know what I mean? They're like only animated at at like 12 frames per second. It's everything.
1: Oh, you're talking about the animated ones. Yeah, like the animated DC movies. I was talking about the Cinematic Universe ones, but sure, the animated ones too. No, the animated <laughs> yeah, ones no, are. so I know so what bad. you mean. I know what you mean. And uh, there, the, there have been a couple of good ones, to be honest. Like there's a couple of the Justice League ones that are decent. Oh, come on. Because uh, they had people involved. Are you serious? No, they had they're the right people involved. I, I swear to God. But for the most part, they're not good. Yeah, you're right.
0: They're not good. I actually watched but, yeah. I couldn't help it. I, Which I one actually, did you watch? I watched the uh the Dark Knight uh Oh, okay. <laughs> the, one, the one that's based on like the most beloved graphic novel of all time. Right. <laughs> that's so not bad. good. <laughs> That was not good. <laughs> it's so bad. Um,
1: the one that I did like was the one based on, and I can't. I mean, there have been so many. I I can't even begin to think that I would call it out of my out of the ether. But there was one that was based on this storyline where the Golden Age heroes had to link up with the with the Silver Age heroes hmm. um, and kind of defeat this cosmic threat of some sort. So it was like Barry Allen and. Um, uh, classic flash what's his name um anyhow yeah. it, or, or new flash so it was basically like new flash old flash had to team up kind of thing mm. And that was really good like and so there have been some gems in there but i agree that the animation itself like production value has never been good which is actually a great contrast to into the spider verse which is has a style that is absolutely unlike any movie i've ever seen animated or otherwise yeah. it is it, it, it's incredibly unique um, Sony there was like this news story which the, you know people got kind of wrong uh, to be honest and the animators on the project are actually kind of mad about it but there's a story that Sony was like saying hey we're, we, we're going to patent the system that we used to create this movie and everybody took it to mean that they were trying to patent it so nobody can make anything like it you know yeah. but re- in reality they're patenting the tools that they made which Pixar does right, right. I mean they, they just Pixar just open sourced their tools some of their big tools this uh, like a year or two ago and um you know open sourcing a tool is a big deal for a studio like pixar who relies on i mean tools a huge part of their value prop and their workflow you know what they do how they create movies and so anyhow the the sony is, is saying like hey this thing that we use to create this is so unique we, we want to productize it so other people can use it hmm. um, but their the animation style is one of the best I've ever seen. It, it sort of manages to translate the feel of like halftone and comic and, you know, hard edged line, you know, line drawn look um, with a, a really clever use of art style to telegraph to the audience, what universe each Spider-Man is from. Right. So like they're, they're all animated. I mean, and there's no way I would have thought they'd be able to, to sort of include all these different styles and animate all of these characters differently to to kind of telegraph where they came from and for it to still mesh somehow and they did it they pulled it off it's really good
0: now i'm looking forward to it um yeah that's a bit of a digression Sorry.
1: i love movies though we do digress yeah. i mean I think, <laughs> I think it's just our mo all right let me take a break here
0: and thank our first sponsor sure. it is uh jamf j-a-m-f this episode is brought to you by jamf now Look, it's easy to keep track of your own Mac, iPad, iPhone. But what about the other Apple devices at your work? As a business grows, so does its digital inventory, and it gets harder to manage everyone's Apple devices. Uh, And it's especially true if employees are remote, and in a lot of new companies, everybody's remote, right? I mean, that's the new way that people make companies. Uh, Jamf Now makes it easy. Easy to set up, manage, and protect your Apple devices. You can check your digital inventory, distribute Wi-Fi and email settings, deploy apps, enforce passcodes, protect your company data, and even lock or wipe a device as needed from anywhere. So, like, you yeah, have like a salesperson leaves their phone in a cab or something like that. You can just they call up, and say, "Oh, I lost my phone." Well, you can wipe it and and feel secure. Uh, you don't need IT experience. It's the opposite of that. It is a way that you can get professional IT uh, management of your Apple devices without any sort of hiring like an actual IT staff. Uh, Jamf, the software, takes care of all of that stuff for you. Listeners of the talk show can start securing their business today by managing your first three devices for free. And that's for as long as you want. And after that, it's just two bucks. A month per device. That's it. Two bucks a month per device going forward. And these guys specialize in Apple products. Perfect for the audience of this show. Uh, so create your free account today at Jamf, jamf.com slash the talk show. That's jamf.com slash the talk show. And you get, those, uh, get that special deal where you get three devices in perpetuity for free uh what else anything else on movies
1: i think we've done i think we've done enough on movies (laughs)
0: uh
1: maybe we need an editor
0: (laughs) it is funny though i i you know we touched on a lot of a lot of ones i've been sort of vaguely thinking i should talk about like i've been kind of wanting to make the point of just saluting the mission impossible series like like i think it's You know, I mean, it's not like they're quiet, you know, they're obviously big budget movies, they're always well promoted, and they seemingly all do well. But I kind of feel like the the series as a whole is sort of doesn't get the recognition it should I think it's it's it is extremely rare to make what seven movies and have them all be good
1: yeah I mean anytime you make more than more than the allotted three you know that people think should ever be, then you start to get into this thing it's like, oh is it a cash grab and is it going downhill and I think it does deserve credit for continuing to evolve yeah um you know kind of become a little bit more not self referential but self aware you know to some degree um and it's it's clever it's it keeps coming up they keep coming up with nice nice new ideas and i i think certainly you can't you can't talk about mission impossible at all not not to spend another you know 30 minutes on movies but you can't talk about it without talking about you know tom cruise and his commitment to those things and you can yeah. have problems with him personally or whatever and i totally understand but his commitment to those movies to making those things feel real and the stunts and yeah. um and and his desire to make them as good as possible um all backed by of course his very unique star power and and power in the industry etc and you, you can't you can't imagine those movies getting made or being good without him
0: you know yeah he's sort of an ageless wonder I mean it's it's you know my, my wife watched the movie with me and she thinks he's got uh, some and she said filler I don't know what that is it's some kind of thing they stick in the mm-hmm. face or something but mm-hmm. you know but he certainly doesn't doesn't look like artificial it doesn't look like he's had weird cosmetic surgery he just looks like he's in tremendous shape and you know uh, it's kind of remarkable really mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like he's still making action movies and he's totally credible at it it's it's very very credible
1: yeah it's it's actually pretty wild
0: did you see the thing um uh, he's i guess they're making a, a new top gun movie uh yeah and
1: he, oh no we can we can spend about 40 minutes talking about this <laughs> That he made,
0: I don't even know, who, I don't know who he did it with. I don't, I, I, I should know. I, I don't, I could look it up for the show notes, but he, he made a video recently and put it out, uh, from the set of Top Gun and he's in costume, I guess, as Maverick. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't, it just seems so weird. Like, I don't know how they're going to make this movie. Like, how can, how can, a, there are no 57 year old fighter pilots and he kind of has to be 57 because he made the first one in the eighties. <laughs> Right, like, but anyway. Right. But the movie isn't about the the promotional video isn't about uh, Top Gun. He's just there in in costume, but he's there to talk about motion smoothing and it, uh-huh. it it's remarkable. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. Absolutely. Now, I know yeah. you know. It's I know the, you know a, what motion smoothing. Motion smoothing,
1: smoothing is. PSA. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which was uh, uh, it was it was the the guy with him by the way was Christopher McQuarrie. Oh, that was, the was the Christopher McQuarrie. Of the last two. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is he doing the, the Top Gun? I believe so. Huh. Uh, don't quote me, but I believe so. Yeah, yeah that would make uh, sense. But yeah, exactly. And they recorded a uh, <laughs> straight to the camera PSA, <laughs> instructing people on how to remove motions blurring, which I found was hilarious. I
0: I will put this in the show notes. I've got this here, um, but it's so great, and it it is, and it didn't. <laughs> Am I misremembering the details of this where they even said, like, hey, when you go home (laughs) for the holidays, (laughs) like... Yeah, take, yeah. Your, take your take your parents' TV and turn off motion smoothing. Like every, I don't
1: know, I don't know if I remember the reference of the parents, but I think all of us do that, right? right. Like right. it's as a service to right. our, for our parents, and like sometimes without them even knowing, because just we're so mad that they have right. to watch movies like this, you know? Right. It was, a, but they a- did reference it. They did use the colloquial to reference it, which I think a lot of us have over the years, which is the soap opera filter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the soap opera effect. To, right. Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It is It is one of the strangest aspects of, like the fact that that video has to exist is extraordinary and it's fascinating. Um, and I was talking, I was on, I think on a Slack group or something with some friends and we were talking about this video. And I, I do think that part of it is simply that Tom Cruise loves movies, right? Like it. it he, he doesn't need, you know, he's obviously doesn't need to work, you know? I mean, well, presumably, I mean, unless he's, you know, squandered
1: himself somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. You would think that financially he's, you know, he doesn't need to work and he, you know, but instead he, he's constantly working. He's, you know, making movies, you know, not, you know, much again, like Spielberg prolific. Um, right. I, 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 but I think he loves movies, you know, and I think that that's what comes out in that motion smoothing video is they, they put all this effort <laughs> into making movies look good. And then people watch them on TVs that out of the box make it look like garbage. Mm -hmm. And that's what isn't that the strangest thing in the world? Like, we live in a world where TVs are beautiful, and they're huge, and they're getting bigger and bigger is definitely better, right? People have, you know, you can buy like 67 inch TVs, and and they're reasonably priced, and they have great color, or or they're capable of great color. (laughs) And out of the box, they all have this terrible, terrible thing turned on. And like, why? Why is that? I,
1: how did motion I mean, I, smoothing? The, the, how did the this why happen? of it, it? No, there probably have been much better, like, you know, treatises written on this by, by people who have studied it. And I'm sure I've probably read someone somewhere. But the basics of it are that live sports look better. Um, with motion, I don't smoothing even on. Think that's And live true. sports still drives cable, you yeah. know, and TV. But I mean, I'd, I'd that's That's the basics of it, as far as I understand it, and you know maybe maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, cause that it, is, it certainly is b- bewildering to anybody who loves movies because it makes movies look freaking terrible
0: and that is that is the one thing in that p s a that I sort of disagree with is that they they endorse going into your relatives' homes and turning it off only for when you're watching movies, but that uh-huh. that's a hard I think that's hard to do, right like yeah. I mean, I guess you could do it if they have, like, an Apple TV or if they have, like, an Amazon Fire stick or box or something, you know, anyone or Roku, Roku, how do you pronounce it? Roku. Yeah, uh, Roku. Roku. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, swear, I always get it wrong. <laughs> and now I I second guess myself. Um, but if you have, you know, uh, any of these set-top boxes, you know. You can presume yeah. that you're using them mostly to watch movies and movie-like TV shows. But I don't even know if that's mm-hmm. safe to assume anymore, though, because so many people who are cutting their cable, they watch, they might be watching their live sports through those boxes now, too. All right, So how do you tell your TV to turn off yeah, motion smoothing I mean, only if it's a movie? Like You can do it by the input, mm-hmm. but uh, you can't really assume that everything from these things is a movie anymore. So I just say turn it the hell off for everything. You don't need it it's it's a yeah, it, I, I don't i'm in that I, camp I, I love sports i like to watch sports i don't think motion smoothing makes sports look better uh,
1: no i mean it it doesn't right i mean not in my mind but it certainly is the look that people have become more used to with right. you know with that, that high frame rate look and basics interpolation adds additional frames right right uh, to make it look look smoother um which is dumb because it it creates images that weren't there you know in effect um i think ryan johnson called it liquid diarrhea at one point (laughs)
0: Uh, ryan johnson i that (laughs) that was one of the other things that i would that that psa was like i would like to see the ryan johnson version of it because it would be r-rated right
1: (laughs) (laughs) right ryan johnson's
0: hatred of motion smoothing makes it look like makes me feel like maybe i'm okay with motion smoothing
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think like all these guys are in on it, like James Gunn and Edgar Wright and
0: and Chris McQuarrie
1: and and all these guys. But yeah, it's it's certainly terrible, you know. Yeah, it's... (laughs) it just makes it's the 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 bottom the lowest common denominator on this is like does it look good in the store right and i think a lot of it has to do with that and the fact that they play like sports and highlight reels and stuff in the store to get people to buy big tvs and watch live sports and the thing is like live sports is the thing that's keeping cable alive like it's yeah. the it's huge you know what i mean and for for people that want you know to be able to get those games and to bounce around between games and all that stuff because the streaming services Unless you subscribe to something very specific, and the MLB is very unique in this, like the MLB's app, yeah. um, you know, you can't just get every game you want. You know, it's not the way it works. And even yeah. with the MLB app, as you know, okay. you know, if you want to watch a game that's on locally, uh, you know, local team, uh, yeah. you often have to resort to your your local broadcaster. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. yeah for it's all those tied who, up in that. Yeah, for those who don't know, it's if and if you're outside the US, this is. I think this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> but like I pay, I pay like a hundred bucks a year to subscribe to the MLB app at bat. And I'm happy to do it. It is, maybe it's more than a hundred bucks. I don't know, like 120 or something. I don't know. But the Yankees play 162 regular season games a year. Uh, I watch, I'll bet I watch at least a hundred of them, uh, maybe more. Uh, but because I don't live in, new york's tv area i can do that i can just fire up any device my apple tv i my my phone my ipad whatever and because i subscribe i can watch but you can't watch your local team that way so like uh i couldn't watch the philadelphia phillies or if i happen to be in new york i can't watch the yankees on the app (laughs) because Mm -hmm. they have these tv deals and it's you know I, we could probably be draconian. A whole sh- it really
1: it, is like a mafia situation, right? You know, well, almost. and
0: in Philly in particular, because the <laughs> Philadelphia's uh, it, you know Comcast is headquartered in Philadelphia. The two tallest buildings in city are both Comcast Ooh. towers. They don't just have one giant tower; they have two. They they <laughs> they quite literally own the city, uh, and they have the TV rights to the Phillies. Like, how is that? <laughs> how is that legal? How <laughs> It's like the cable right. company actually owned the TV, right? So you have, the only way to watch the Phillies is on Comcast Sports Network.
1: Oh my God.
0: Like the, yeah. it's not even that it's, it's some, you know, like the Yankees have the yes network that the Yankees themselves right. own. And they actually had a fight like two years ago where they weren't on Comcast because they were arguing over how much, you know, they had like a financial disagreement and so f- at least, I think it was like two years ago, two or three years ago. The Yankees played most of the season, and you couldn't even watch them on TV. You had like people in New York couldn't even watch the Yankees. Period. And even though they weren't on cable because they had to spat with Comcast, you still couldn't watch them in the app because it was a local blackout. <laughs> right. Very, very strange. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and the you know consumers uh, there's it's you know once again this is a, well, another huge digression we could go on but consumers always get screwed in this and the 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 cable companies and the the um, distribution companies fight all the time. Right Like they fight about the content that goes on it the sports situation is is a, one element of this. you know they fight for the deals and they they cut local deals and they cut national deals, et cetera et cetera but like there there are other deals too with like content producers like Disney, for instance, Disney always fights with Comcast like right. they' they they fight with Comcast like off and on all the time, and so like sometimes you'll be on your Comcast and you just won't get ABC. Right. Like or 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 whatever, <laughs> they'll threaten to like remove CBS or whatever. You know they fight with each other all the time, and so the only person that loses is the consumer. And what usually results is some even more draconian deal. You know yeah. that locks you out of even more choice. It's really bad, which yeah. is why everybody loves cord cutting. It's just
0: not there right. yet. Yeah, I've noticed because um, we go to Walt Disney World every year, um, and we're. It's funny. I, I don't know. If, if you're like this, but it's, we as a family, we don't, we're not anti TV. We, we watch, you know, plenty of TV at home. But whenever we travel, we almost never even turn the TV on in a hotel room yeah. because we're, we're, wherever we are, whether it's Disney or anywhere else, we're in this, outside our home traveling to do something. Right. And that something mm-hmm. is not watching TV. <laughs> so like, no, we, we've yeah. even commented Like, there's a lot of times where we don't even know, if, you know, like the TV couldn't even be plugged into the wall and we wouldn't know cause we just n- never turn it on. But every once in a while I will be there. And maybe the, it's like a Sunday and the Dallas Cowboys are on or something. I want to watch sports. Uh, and <laughs> it's very funny. Like when you're at Disney world, they have a very strange selection of channels available (laughs) like (laughs) they definitely have abc they have everything disney owns (laughs) yeah it's it 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 is like you're you it's very strange it is it's like you're in the disney universe (laughs) Mm -hmm. like they have like
1: you've got disney jr and disney channel for sure and like everything else is like a question mark And 18 (laughs) like
0: 18 different espn's <laughs>
1: yeah, ESPN Ocho.
0: right? Yeah, so there's. It's um, like you're yeah. you're. If the sport you want to watch is on ESPN, you're in luck. And if it's not, you you might be out of luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think they're the TV like uh, the division, you know, deal scenario, whatever you want to call it, is one of those things that everybody wants to try and break up, which is why everybody's like trying to like come up with these streaming packages and ota packages yep. including apple you know and everybody else and it's one of the big major things everybody wants to take down you know they want it to go yep. away and nobody's really figured out a way to do it though because the the claws are in super deep yep. and it's difficult to to get them to give up because you're essentially telling them to give up uh, like an essential monopoly and all the money in the world for some other nebulous ideal and that's just very difficult to do yeah. so do you do you have cable I do and to be honest I only have it because my wife watches Bravo. Hmm. We we this we definitely still have
0: it. it and my wife watches a bunch of shows uh that I guess we could get through cord cutting but you know it's uh, you know just just we we have it <laughs> I think we you know the bills on auto pay I'm sure it's a ridiculous amount but I yeah. don't see it.
1: I call, I call them and 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 threaten to cancel and get a lower rate every like six to eight months. Can um, you do that for which me? Seems dising, <laughs> yeah. I know it seems disingenuous, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I, you know, it would I cancel? Sure. If there was another viable option, yeah. absolutely. You know, and so I figure it's the monopoly tax. Yeah. You know what I mean? If they're going to be a monopoly, they're going to have to deal with me calling them once in a while to get a lower rate, yeah. which they do. Like, you, all you got to do is call them and they're like, oh, yeah, here's this promo deal if you'll stick around. And I'm like, great why didn't you just give me the promo deal? You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I'm a loyal customer. Why don't you just give me that? I literally been a Comca- Comcast customer for over a decade easily. You yeah. know? Um, and that, that is just, they have no, they have no desire to be friendly to loyal customers because there's no other choice in many areas. Yeah. And that's the big thing. I mean, obviously that ties into net neutrality and a bunch of other things, but it's just sad that, they've gotten common they've gotten complacent and lazy about trying to please anybody or treat them well, because you have no other options. Yeah. Like somebody punches you in the face and you're tied to a chair. What are you going to do?
0: You know, Well, the thing, one of the things for us too, though, is that we have a TiVo. We've had a TiVo for, Oh my God, that's probably like close to 20 years now. Uh, I mean, we don't mm. have a, we're not using a 20 year old TiVo box. I, I forget how many we've had, but not too many. Uh And, uh, I, I know, I think Syracuse still uses one too. And I know that I tell people this and they're like, TiVo is still a thing. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but it is the best, it is the best play pause experience and fast forwarding of anything I've ever seen. Like it, I, I don't understand how this isn't a solved problem, you know? And I know that when Apple came out with like the, the current generation of Apple TV, um, you know, that they, they emphasized to us, you know, that they spent tons of time, you know, getting their, the stuff for streaming video to, to be able to fast forward and, you know, go back and forth better because it's always been a problem. You know, you, every, sometimes it works and then sometimes you get a spinner and it doesn't work. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's confounding with TiVo. It is, it has no latency at all and it never has like it. it going back to like when i first got one in like 1999 like it's it it, it it's the only on-screen thing that that perfectly works for fast forwarding everything else is always a little frustrating and they have they, yeah i've they've never been adding had one it and and it continues to get better they've actually added the, the thing that the uh who was the the rival to tivo back in the day uh oh good question they had an arch I should rival. Should know this. Uh, they did, and their their arch rival had a thirty second skip button, and TiVo never did. TiVo never, you know, they had fast forward, but they didn't have like a thirty second button. Um, yeah. but what they've done in about a year ago, they added this new feature. They have uh, four buttons. Thirty one second skip button. No, it's it's you just they. I'm not even sure how the back end of this works and it doesn't work for every show it, cause it's not magical. The, but the, you know, it, it, there's some kind of human interaction on TiVo's end, but TiVo knows what shows you have. Like, it's not just like a VCR, you know, where it's just a random video feed, you know, like it knows that you were watching, uh, Full Frontal with Samantha B. and it knows that this is episode, uh, season three, episode 27 or something. And they, for some shows, and the more popular the show, the more likely it is, about a year or so ago, they started adding uh, codes for the, like, they know where the commercials are. And right. you can just mm-hmm. it just tells you hit the D button and skip all the commercials. And so you just have mm. one button, you just hit D and you just instantly jump to the exact right second you want to be at after the commercial break. Like not mm. it's not it it you know, it it's uncannily perfect. Uh, it's a great it's really a great experience. But uh, it's funny because I mentioned this Samantha Bee show because there was an episode that we missed and our TV for whatever reason didn't have it even though we have a subscription to it. Uh, and so I, I, I downloaded the TBS app to, to the Apple TV. This is I think literally last night. Um, and... I had to download the TBS app. I had to authenticate Mm -hmm. through Comcast or Xfinity, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, which, and it all worked. It's, you know, but it made me mad because I have the single sign on thing on my Apple TV. It shouldn't, I shouldn't need to do that anymore. But then, Mm -hmm. you know, I could, I could watch any episode of Samantha B show. I wanted to, but there were two commercial breaks and each commercial break had six commercials and you can't skip them. (laughs) like you literally just got to sit huh. there and watch these and it, it like the rant I've said this I think I mentioned it on the show like the thing that TiVo makes it it it's the opposite of a you know that type of box but like when we first computerized watching TV first started using computers as the put a real computer between the TV you know the the signal coming in from the cable to your tv put a computer in between it we did it so we Mm -hmm. could skip commercials and now more and more we're using we're watching we're watching stuff through a computer more than ever some people everything they watch you know (laughs) it it, it goes through a computer and we're using the computer to make the ads unskippable (laughs) like it's so wrong (laughs) at a fundamental level that is totally wrong
1: yeah, exactly, and that that those kinds of experiences are what I mean by kind of like spitting in people's face, you know, because right. you know that's mandated by the cable providers, right? right. Like Apple doesn't want that, and right. CBS or or the you know no app maker wants to to stream you that, it, but the companies themselves are beholden to those advertisers, and just all the way down, it makes the customer experience extremely poor. And that the Comcast sign on thing, I don't know if iOS twelve has started working. And forgive my ignorance on this, somebody may know i don't know but you know comcast always r- didn't work because they yeah. hadn't arranged you know they hadn't worked out the deal with them yet and i don't know if it started working yet or not i, I noticed a interesting behavior on my because i was set up an ipad for my son all right i, I kind of used it a one and set it up for him um and was installing everything brand new and um once i had logged in l- logged into my icloud account um i was able to kind of like log into like disney junior yeah. for instance and authenticate with comcast without having to enter my comcast password whereas previously it would do this fake thing where it looked like you could do it uh, it, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it, like you could click on Comcast and and it would say, oh yeah, we know your provider. Is it Comcast? You know, and you'd think, oh great, I all I got to do is tap this and I'm home free. And then it would still force you to log in because it's yeah. not real. You right. know, it's not like actually doing it. It's right. just offering it in the list so that you know they know you know or whatever. Yeah. Um, but now it like seamlessly logs in and I, I can't. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's iCloud wide or what, but that's the way it should work. You know, one tap and then effectively it should just automatically find your account and just use it. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the, the the tapping part of it is is the part I think they need to get rid of next. Um, But the, for a long time, you know, the Comcast experience, every time you had to log in, I don't think any executive at Comcast ever really understood this. But every time you had to log in, it was effectively like spitting in your face. You know, yeah. it was like we, you know, you know, you're having to log in right now specifically because we we are being punks and don't want to agree, you know, yeah. um, and being protectionist about this. And you're the one who's going to suffer. So yeah. anyhow,
0: sucks. <laughs> I, I've, I, I think I've mostly <laughs> as a defense mechanism, I've I've largely forgotten the experience. But when we moved two years ago. I know I've talked about this on the show, but it was probably like two years ago, but to get the TiVo working, you have to have these things called cable cards that are Mm -hmm. like, they're literally cards and they go in the back of the TiVo and it's, you know, you need one for each, however many inputs you have. And I think, I think we have like four now. I don't know how I've blacked out, you know, but in other words, our TiVo can Mm -hmm. record like four shows at the same time. Um, and they make it very, very difficult. (laughs) And we were, we all, I almost gave up. I was actually like on the cusp of just cancel it all, cancel the cable. I'll, I'm going to sign up for this PlayStation view thing, at, which seems like the best, you know, the best equivalent to cable TV for a cord cutter at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at, I got like somehow, and I I did. I don't know how it happened, but it got escalated to like the secret agent team at Comcast, and like the guy showed up and he was like totally aces. You know, he, he like nice. knew everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you ever see the movie Brazil? It's one of my favorite yeah. movies. He yeah. was the Robert De Niro. You know, so the Robert <laughs> De Niro.
1: A B slash six.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, the Robert De Niro guy <laughs> showed up and literally in five minutes, everything was working. And in every (laughs) other, you know, like the three, four times that somebody else had come was always 90 90 minutes. They'd never heard of a TiVo. They have no idea. And then they're they're on the phone for an hour talking to somebody at, you know, somewhere. And they're reading off all of these like crazy 20 character strings, you know, that the (laughs) diagnostic mode brings up. (laughs) Just, uh, and it, this guy showed up five minutes later, everything's working. And he's like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And he's like, showing me, yeah. know, like, here, here's the, and you know, like, cause that's the other thing too, is usually like when somebody shows up like that, they just want to leave. And you're like, well, hold on a second. Let me see if this works before you leave. Right. He showed me, he was like, here, look, here's proof that it works. Boom, boom, boom.
1: Yeah. I love, I love a good tech. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of like a competent, Yeah, tech working at a place you know either a contractor working for them or working directly for them who shows up and is like oh yeah here's what's here's what's wrong and fixes the problem and like i've had this experience my old house we we had you know it was built in the 50s so the wiring was whatever it was um and you know time (laughs) after time after time i was yeah exactly bad (laughs) and time after time after time we were just having trouble with it pulling new lines trying to figure all this stuff out and like the i had People come out like three, four times from Comcast, and then some guy came out. He's like, "Oh, it's this," you know. Yeah. He goes, "Guarantee you, I got to go up on that pole. I got to replace this filter at the source. It'll be, it'll be fixed in like fifteen minutes." He climbs up there, he fixes it, boom, done. And I'm like, you know what? Can I just like permanently request you, right, like, right? <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I love a competent tech.
0: Oh, Comcast. All right, there. Let me take a break and thank our next sponsor, Linode. Linode is where you go to host a website. You can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get your server running in seconds, literally like 30 seconds, you can actually get your own server up and running with your choice of Linux distribution resources and node location. They have 10 data centers worldwide. You can pick one that's close to you, get the, get the absolute lowest ping, uh, you can host somewhere else if your most of your customers maybe are in the West Coast. You can get a server, you know, get your server on the West Coast, whatever you need. Um, their plans are unbelievable. For just five bucks a month, you can get a plan with a full gigabyte of memory for a lot of sites. That's all you need. Like their starting plan for five dollars a month is actually really, really good and could host an awful lot of pretty popular. Websites. Uh, if you need more, though, they have high memory plans that start at 16 gigabytes. That's 16 gigs of RAM you can start at. Uh, seven day money back guarantee. So sign up, start paying. For some reason, you're unhappy. Up to a week, you can just get all your money back. But you know, you might only be out five bucks because you might only need the five dollar plan. Unbelievable. Um, they have hourly billing and a monthly cap. On all plans, so you won't be surprised. Uh and they have all the add-on services that you could possibly want. Backups, uh, node balancers, stuff like that. Twenty four seven friendly support, uh native SSD storage across the board, forty gigabit network, Intel E5 processors. Uh it's just unbelievable what they have. They they're the company is growing so big. It's, it's crazy. So they've got block storage. Here's the locations that they have. They have Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore. And they are soon, maybe it's even out now. I'm not sure, but it's soon. They're going to have one in Tokyo. Uh, they have a, a, restful API that is out of beta. So you can write your own code to talk to your server, everything you need. It's, it's really great. Uh, and they're hiring, so you can go to www.linode.com/careers and take a look. If you're, you know, a networking nerd that type of person looking for a job, go check them out. And they have a special deal just for listeners of the show. You get a twenty dollar credit when you visit linode.com/the talk show and use that promo code. Well, actually, the pr- that's the URL: linode.com/the talk show. The promo code is talk show. 2018 no the just talk show 2018 gets you $20 of credit so on a $5 a month plan you could get four months for free that's really quite a deal so my thanks to Linode excellent excellent hosting company uh go check them out at linode.com slash the talk show I don't know what the explanation is uh Philly is sort of downtown Philadelphia is for a big city it is relatively small downtown and it's part of what i love about living here is the it's you can kind of know everything downtown it's it's all walkable uh and you can get from point a to point b in a couple of minutes uh it's really useful um but for whatever reason like the apple store is at uh I think it's on the 1,500 block of Walnut, maybe 1,600 of Walnut. Um, So like 16th and Walnut here in Philadelphia is where the Apple store is. One block east is a corner where there's a big Verizon store, huge, uh, with, with, I swear to you, a giant cheesecake factory on top of it. (laughs) Caddy Corner is a big AT&T store. Uh, across the street from the AT and T store is a fairly big T Mobile, but it it's funny because the actual retail footprint of the stores sort of tells you the nature of these carriers, right? Okay. V- Verizon's right. is right. biggest. AT and T's <laughs> is sort of a copy of the Verizon, and T Mobile is more like a you know, could easily be like a sneaker store. You know, it's you know, it's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, yeah. but it's not. It's not big and huge and, and, uh, it, gotcha. Yeah. But, of course. but now there's also, and it's all, why are they all together? I don't know. I don't know if it has something to do with that. They want to be close to the Apple store. It is, you know, like, like in most cities, Apple, Apple's location where they chose, you know, like uh, the, it's like the best retail area, you know, the highest end retail area mm-hmm. in Philadelphia is mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Walnut street. Um, Uh, None of these stores were there years ago. Maybe the T-Mobile one was, but the AT&T and Verizon ones are fairly new, you know, within the last couple of years uh, after the Apple store has been there. Uh, And now, though, here's the thing that that made me think of this, is now there's an Xfinity cell phone store. Like, so you can get Comcast as your cell phone provider. Mm Mm-hmm. And and
1: it, they don't have their own right, so it's an MVNO. I'll it has sure, to be. Right?
0: I don't know the details of it. It has to be an MVNO, though. Mm-hmm. They don't have their own network, and they they and they do have. There's a fair, you know, because we're we're Cable Town, we do have a fair number of uh, Xfinity Wi-Fi hotspots. You know, so like if you are an Xfinity customer, you can get Wi-Fi in large parts of the city um, if you need it. I don't you mm-hmm. know, but you you know, with their phone you don't really want to count on Wi Fi, you you need a network. But the thing that occurred to me and it just I just wanted to bring it up is who who thinks, you know, like like I can see switching carriers, like I'm I've been on Verizon for years. It's not mm-hmm. great. But the last company I think on the world that I would want to do more <laughs> business with is Xfinity, right?
1: Uh-huh. Cause yeah, it, why are you gonna be like that is not the consumer brand I would think you would want to shoot for, you know, or you would put on the front. It's Verizon, by the way. It's powered by Verizon. Hmm. So it's like an alternate consumer brand for Verizon. Totally, I can see that. Some people don't like Verizon. You know, some people are like, oh, you know, Verizon has a negative connotation hmm. with them or whatever. But if you're going to pick one, <laughs> if you're going to pick a brand to take the place of a brand that people already may, you know, not like for just because it's been in the public eye and maybe they've heard negative things, whatever, you know, good God, you know, are you, I mean, you think you could come up with something better.
0: Right. And the problem is that it, because my cable, I, I know what they do with my cable bill, and that's the, that they just keep charging me more and more <laughs> because they can, because they are taking advantage mm-hmm. of their monopoly status. So they've, you know, that's their right. You know, I'm, I, I, I could cancel the service if I want to. Right. I choose to keep mm-hmm. paying them. But I've mm-hmm. I've got decades of knowledge that they will They will keep raising my cable bill and that I have to do what you would you do because you're more sensible than I am is call them up (laughs) and renegotiate. Like that's a Mm -hmm. bad relationship, right? Right. Like, I mean, when I call a renegotiate,
1: most of the time, it's basically a very mild feint towards, hey, I should probably cancel this because it's expensive. And they immediately transfer you to a customer retention person who's like, "Hey, we've got this deal we're offering new customers, and we're just going to give you that." And it's usually like a hundred dollars off my monthly bill or like eighty dollars off my monthly bill. And I'm like, "Well, you know, you could have just given me this because I'm a loyal customer, you know." But their their point of view is like a gym. They they operate yeah. like a gym membership where yeah. if you don't cancel, they're not going to tell you to cancel. Right. You know, they're not going to call you up and be like, "Dude." seriously, you don't go. We should probably just pause your membership for now. You know what I mean? Yeah. No gym ever does that. And um, that's the way they operate. And, and
0: it's, it stinks. It's not, it doesn't make me feel good about that company. It doesn't make me want to. Like if Xfinity opened a gym, I would not sign up for that gym. Right? <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: Because not only would they not, would they not cancel your membership if you weren't going, but uh, they'd probably just increase the price every probably six to eight months and never tell you. Right.
0: I wonder though. The other thing that it makes me wonder about is uh it in some ways it's a bad look to me for them because it shows uh, I don't know whether it's a bad look or a good look. Like it's is it good because they have their their they're realistically looking at the fact that you know cable is in decline and it's never, you know, cable TV subscriptions mm-hmm. are not coming back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. like it, the trend is going in one way. And it is towards not having cable. So is it good that they're looking at things like cell phone service because they've got to move beyond cable? Or is it a bad look like, hey, we can do this stuff. (laughs) We can do this other stuff, too.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good look if you're doing it yourself. And it's a bad look if you're just marketing somebody else's product. In my opinion, right. and so I don't. I don't even think they view it that way. I, I wish I, I would hope that they would, just from a you know business perspective, and think they have the acumen to figure that out. But I actually probably think they think of it as a retention um, model, so that they can yeah. retain people. You know, they're they're saying, hey, if you get it in house, you don't have to worry about going to another cable provider. We've got all of your stuff here, right? Yeah. It's more along the lines of that protectionist, right, versus yeah. innovative yeah and that's that's the way I think that a lot of that stuff happens
0: yeah uh which brings me to uh, <laughs> maybe it's something that's actually on topic for the show is uh, this ongoing series of reports that iphone t- t- iPhone 10s and especially the 10r it seems uh, according to these reports that sales are bad or disappointing that they are uh, I don't know not good and uh there's so much it's it's funny because on the one hand it's it's again i don't know which side to come down on on these stories like there's so much smoke that you feel like there's got to be some kind of fire but on the other hand it it seems like every goddamn year there's the same type of stories that so you know some such and such supplier in in taiwan has said that a major company has drastically cut orders and everybody knows that it's apple and so it must mean that something you know that that they're not making anywhere near as many of the iphone whatever and every year it it these stories come out and every year when apple actually announces their quarterly stuff it uh, you know it's nowhere near as drastic as, Mm -hmm. as it was, but like the effect of this is seriously real. Like uh, Apple has taken a huge hit. I mean, the stock market as a whole is, you know, a little shaky, but Apple's, you know, lost like $200 billion in market cap. And, Uh, You know, this is not a financial podcast. I'm, you know, don't take investment advice from me, (laughs) but I know that it matters. Like one reason that it matters is uh, that affects me as somebody who's mostly interested in Apple's products is it's like a retention problem because so many, you know, a lot of people at Apple, Mm -hmm. their Apple stock is, is you know, a huge part, a huge
1: reason they stay. Yeah. Right.
0: And when Apple stock takes a hit, it's like, you can roll your eyes and say, ah, it'll bounce back. Cause when the stories come out, but I don't know when the company loses 20, 25% of its market cap, that is a, a serious hit to, to real people's personal, you know, wealth and, and investment. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what to make of it like is this mm-hmm. the same story as in previous years and it's just people playing the game to to manipulate the stock uh and you know get clickbait you know like uh, iphone you know the headline iphone 10r sales are in the tank gets a lot more clicks than iphone 10r is doing great <laughs> right
1: yeah yeah uh, yeah it's like cuz if you say oh iphone 10r is selling uh, uh pretty well um you know as to be expected to the mix the mixes to the higher end everybody just kind of like oh okay more of the same and that doesn't engender excitement as much as oh iphone 10 our sales are are taking a shit and maybe apple the golden child is going to fail this time you know and which i think is the motivator behind a lot of people pursuing those stories because and i'm not even saying it's just like everybody's looking for something negative to say it because that's that is true with some reporters but it it certainly is also true that the news industry values things that are different right like you're reporting on change reporting on something that has stayed the same is just not the primary motive of right. most news writers they want to see things that are new and different and present those to the audience which is understandable to some degree but sometimes new and different the hunt for new and different the the hunger for it can sometimes blind you uh, to the realities of a situation because you want to see something is changing, so that you have, you know, the ability to commentate on it or to to highlight it or to be first to to point it out. Um, so we get a lot of people saying things prematurely, not just about Apple, but about a lot of things. Is sort of a motivator for the news industry, and you have to push back against it constantly, and it's hard. If you do it as an editor, as a writer, etc. Yeah. So I think you know part of it is that. Um, you know, the hunt for, for some new information that is, you know, you're bringing to light for the first time. Sometimes that information is, hey, Apple maybe is, is not doing as well as it, it used to or whatever um, as far as iPhone sales go. But, I mean, there, there are a couple of leading indicators that we know. Uh, one, we know that Apple is selling a shit ton of iPhones, but the um, growth rate of its iPhones ha- sales have slowed in recent years and that they are making up for it by increasing the sales price of iPhones. Like that's in the numbers. Right. It's pretty undisputable that they right. charge more for them and sell, sell a little bit less of them on a growth rate each year. Um, and it have been for the past few years. Yeah. And so I think that the stock market is always going to remember that the stock market does not represent current value of a company it represents right. potential future value. And I think, you know, yes, that's extremely bare bones for most financial writers, but I don't think most readers of those stories, you know, necessarily get it, especially once it hits mass media and very, very wide, wide media. Um, but they're looking at the future value of the company and going like, "Hey, if Apple can't sustain growth, then there's not a lot of future growth, and then maybe the stock's not worth as much." And yeah. that's what the stock market's reacting to. Um, so you know it's on one hand you're going yeah their their growth is slowing for sure uh on the other hand it, there is a lot of similarities between these reports and reports in the past because a lot of those reports have been based on single component suppliers or maybe even right. one or two component suppliers and that the modern supply chain especially for a company like Apple who is the biggest company on the planet and has one of the the best most complex um operations orgs in the world you know has always been that the op the supply chain is super complex and reading into one supplier's ordering sheet is a recipe for for a misreading you right. know and I, I think that's still true as well
0: i wrote about this on during fireball somebody at apple a uh, long-time reader of the site um that's, you know, a little birdie with knowledge of the situation just said that they were familiar with at least one particular supplier getting cut. And, um, it didn't tell me why didn't even, you know, as often as the mm-hmm. case, you know, would give, you know, just a little info and, you know, you, you have friends like this, you don't ask, you know, if they wanted to tell me what the component was, they would have told me. Um, but that it was, you know, all they all they said was that it had nothing to do with any current phone. It had nothing to do with it, it's something in the future you know presumably mm-hmm. i didn't they didn't even tell me you know like next year's phone, but I presume that that's right. what they meant um and they that that there was a similar situation last year that there was a A late-breaking change to the iPhone 10R, you know, pretty much. I I would guess. I don't know exactly when, but I'm going to guess that that's around January. Maybe like around right now. Like anything for the 20, like next year's September iPhones. Mm -hmm. Right around now is when they need to make decisions. You know, like everything gets yeah. Well, two months ago, but yeah, exactly. Well, Mm -hmm. now would
1: be a late, a very late-breaking decision.
0: Right. You couldn't. I don't think. I think it's too late now to make a major design change Mm -hmm. you know but you could do something but something changed with the iphone 10r late uh and it it you know (laughs) supplier a who might have had a Mm -hmm. lot of business no longer had the business and it all got construed in the news as the iphone 10 was last year the iphone 10 sales must be in the tank but had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the iphone Mm 10 it was the 10r right and so i think stuff like that happens a lot i think that this supply chain stuff is nonsense i really do and I often say, like it's 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 fine to be skeptical, and I I still am, even with what I'm about to say. I still, you know, I, Apple officially says something, and I try to treat it, always treat it with, you know, some skepticism. You know, don't just mm-hmm. take them at their word. But in general, I, when Apple says something on the record, it's usually the truth, right? It is they they they're a very clear communicating company, and like when Tim Cook says you shouldn't listen to these supply chain stories. They're nonsense. I really think that he means it. Like, it's not just that he's trying to spin it because these stories are usually, they're always bad news for some reason. (laughs) Like there's never like, never a story like supply (laughs) it never <laughs> supply, goes the other way
1: supply <laughs> supply chain tax to the max iphone selling off the charts yeah right. Yeah. like somehow was, you some- know it used to be remember when the iphone was on the rise right. and like there's something new here you know like this is fresh it was always about how many more units the iphone was going to sell you know but it you know things get old things get uh, boring or whatever you want to call it right it, it, so I, the supply
0: chain stuff uh, i don't I don't go for it. but i think it's absolutely true what you said a couple of minutes ago like the growth in iPhone units is over like the market is saturated like mm-hmm. there you know, we've seen people,
1: peak- and, the, and the thing is that that's coupled with failures in markets where they had an opportunity. So it's not just that yes, the, our market is saturated. That is absolutely true, but it's also that markets like India, yeah. where they had enormous opportunity, um, unfortunately, they they failed to capitalize on the opportunities, and they had a, um, you know, they had a sort of misunderstanding of the market there and you know aren't able to like capture it as well as they thought they they would um and that that i think kneecapped maybe some potential growth that they thought they had in the in the in hand you know
0: yeah and they're also and you know they they say this when they do their you know they talk about it because it you know it matters but the the value of the dollar compared to you know foreign currencies hurt is hurting apple in a lot of ways um like I was just, I, I did my goofy little video of the, uh, 10 r clear case, uh, a week ago on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. and somebody told me, I forget what country it was. I'm sorry. But somebody told me that it, 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 it whatever country they live in, it, it's, it costs like $80. <laughs> like, so in the U S it's a $39 case. It's 40 bucks. Right. So that's, it's, it's expensive for a phone case. Uh, and you know, Apple's cases are expensive compared to third party cases, more expensive than you, you know, most Apple stuff is compared to stuff. The cases in particular are very expensive. Um, but that's $40, like $80. That's kind of nutty. You know, like I'm of the opinion that if you're going to use a case on a thousand dollar phone, $40 actually isn't too much. And if it's actually a better case, and I would argue Apple's cases are superior. Like I, I particularly think their leather cases are excellent. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, if I had to use a case all the time, I would definitely use an Apple leather case. I think it's, you know, best feeling, best fitting, uh, you know, everything you'd want in a case, in my opinion, worth a premium for a thousand dollar device. But you know, 80 bucks for a plastic clear case, boy, that that's hard. That's, that's, that's a hard sell. (laughs) Like why even bother selling it? Like how many of them are they going to sell? i I
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I don't know whether that's an import thing or, you know, where they made them and how they're importing importing them or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, that's that's too expensive. I mean, frankly, the plastic case, I found it to be nice, um, but it the cardinal sin that it commits, and I don't want to separate this from any other of these kinds of cases because they all do it, is that the buttons are hard to press and yeah. I'm it's a done, it's a done deal for me at that yeah. point. And I know why, you know, it's obviously it's flexible TPU sides and yeah. you know, they can only make it so flexible until the button probably gets unreliable or flimsy or it tears out or whatever, you know, the little little button mold. Yeah. But once a button becomes hard to press, that case is dead to me. Yeah. And like that's what I like about their leather ones. They their first leather ones had this solid button yeah you know like it was just like a bump essentially that you could shove on and it would press the button underneath and the newer cases have this nicely you know kind of uh, debossed little arrangement where there's a it's more flexible in that little hole and so when you press it it's like a nice snap you can feel the button underneath right and like that's you know absolutely you could tell that this they've been making this case for a while and i've iterated on it you know from the first ones and uh, it's certainly better now but the plastic one for me, when you press on it, the buttons it's just, it's just too hard and it doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But you look at that in the in the context of all the other plastic cases out there and I go, yeah, this may not yellow as much, it certainly has less seams than most of the plastic cases. Um, it's absolutely cream of the crop in terms of ID you know, from all the other plastic cases out there for however much you could call that on a clear case, you know? Um, but it's, it's good. It's the best you could, best you could possibly make. But then you look at it and you go like, okay, well, you know, if you can't sell it for the same price all over the world, then, you yeah. know,
0: who could, you know, if not Apple, then who could? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I, I, Apple sent me the clear. Did they send you one? Uh,
1: Yeah. They sent me one.
0: Yeah. So I didn't pay for the Apple one. And I, you know, but I did buy a bunch of others um, that people, you know, on Twitter were saying. Well, I don't see. You know, why would I spend forty dollars for this? Where the Spygan has one for eleven bucks. Mm-hmm. So I bought the Spygan and I, I had the the one from this company I mentioned on a couple episodes ago, Total Lee, which is such mm-hmm. a crazy, stupid name. But they're very they're, they're like the wire cutters, like top rated, uh, nice budget case maker the totally one and the spigen one are very very similar they're much more rubbery than apples they're they're uh-huh. sort of a softer rubbery type thing the spigen one is crazy though it it they it's a clear case and they've printed their logo on the one side they've printed in small print on the other side <laughs> like right. on, on the side underneath the volume buttons they've printed in in myriad so that's apple's old font they've printed like uh-huh. design designed by spigen in california manufactured in china or wherever and then up on the top the craziest part is they it, it it has a thing that says uh like air gap protection and then there's like an arrow pointing to the corner of the case this is printed on the actual case now <laughs> it, it's it, just a marketing phrase printed on the case <laughs> It It's not printed, like, in black ink. It is, I guess it's just embossed or something. Like, it, sure, like to, a frosted to, ink or something? Yeah, you have to look for it to see it. Like, at a glance, oh, okay. if gotcha. I had this case, you wouldn't see that, you know, you would think it was just a clear case. You wouldn't think there's a logo uh-huh. and there's small print and this, you know, crazy thing telling me that the corners have a an air gap trademark, you know, right. protection. But I notice it, and it's supposed to be a clear case, right? <laughs> like, what? Why would you print anything on? It would drive me insane using that on my phone. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And and I think that that willingness to be chill about that stuff is certainly, you know, has been an Apple trademark for a while in in their design. But it really does not, by its nature, it doesn't jump out at you until you use some other product that is, by definition, not chill about it. And you're like, wow, okay, I get it. Like, you know. This is your brand, but really? Do I need all this, you know? And what makes it even worse is, like, Apple has more of an excuse than anybody else to plaster Apple logos all over everything. Because the Apple logo represents, you know, some sort of high-end product and, you know, well-designed. Like, it has a lot of implications, right? Whereas, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be like, oh, my God, is that a Spigen? holy right. crap you know oh my oh goodness right. gracious you oh you sprung for the spigen man right. you must be doing well you know and i think that, i think that there's a you know there's a disconnect there right. and, it, and it's certainly hard to appreciate until you're faced with it right where you're like oh thanks for not putting your shite all over everything apple you know right
0: <laughs> yeah uh, there's you know i, I it it would be it would be so tragic, like if you know this generation, you know, like twenty years from now, and and you know Phil Schiller's retired, and and you know new people are coming up the ranks at Apple, and they start making everything with six Apple logos everywhere.
1: Yeah, there is this. <laughs> There is this design trend in sneakers right now that is you know it's basically called overbranding or, mm. or or overbranded and you know it is what it is right it is what exactly what it sounds like where like a Nike shoe will have like six Nike logos on it you know or, or a you know a sweatshirt may have a repeating pattern of Nike logos across its face and back um, you know because it's it's sort of people love the brand and wanna wanna rep the brand and the brand itself has transcended whatever it used to be like a uh, orientation logo to show you that yes you're buying a nike thing like a stamp of officiality you know of some sort it's transcended all that and it's become its own pop art almost you know and you could absolutely see like a point where you have like you could have like a macbook with like a you know an apple print across it like just the apples in repeating pattern across the face of it or whatever it's like a special edition um I hope they don't go that way. Uh, I, I'd certainly, I think it's fun sometimes in a sweatshirt. I would want it on a piece of electronics, but it, it is, I, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of that kind of stuff, yeah. at least from their accessories. Cause you know, Apple does like to hire designers to play with their accessories and to make interesting things. So right. I'm surprised we haven't seen like an over-branded Apple, you know, kind of case or, you know, iPad
0: case and stuff like that. Yeah. And I could sort of see that, you know, it, it, They probably could make it work, like some, you know, like the way that like Louis Vuitton sells stuff with that LV, the LV logo in a in a repeating pattern. Like, I could see like an Apple Watch strap that that Mm -hmm. has like you know a repeating pattern of Apple logos. Like, there's ways that it could be done well, but. I don't know, spike it. But
1: just as easily, there could, yeah, exactly. Spike it, spike it, spike it. Uh, just as easily, it could be gauche, you know. And, and it's um, a clear case.
0: That's, that's why I that, probably don't do it. It's supposed to be invisible. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. why would you print Yeah, stuff it? Yeah, exactly. When, well, like, look, I don't want to like, wax rhapsodic about this case any longer than we have to. But, right. and, and as I said, I already am I'm off the market for this case because of the buttons. Like, I can't right. use it because of that, right? Yeah. But the, um, the fact that they are showing restraint is nice. You just have to say, look, it, it, this is the only company on earth that's going to be like, no branding means no branding. It's a clear case. Let's honor the truth of a clear case. Right. Yeah. And I, like, I get, sh- I, I got crap about uh, defending the original battery case, yeah. which there's like some FCC approvals or something like that shows that maybe we have a new battery case coming. Oh, really? But I didn't see that. It, yeah. Yeah. I uh, think MacRumors uh, had the original story, but I could be wrong. Um, but basically, the, um, uh, or or maybe nine to five Mac, uh, one of those two. I'm sorry, uh, gents, if I misappropriate that,
0: you can find it and put it in the notes. But
1: basically, well, they, I'm they sure, found. I'm a... am sure,
0: um, even if it was nine to five Mac, I'm sure Mac Rumors <laughs> had a copy of the story. Had
1: it, had it pretty quickly, yeah. yeah. Um, the the original case, you know, the battery case. Obviously, the the quote unquote controversy over it was that it had this big lump on the back. You know, yeah. um, that the battery. Basically, they just wrapped the the plastic of the case itself right around the battery and the battery showed through the case and everybody thought, Oh my God, how hideous and all this stuff. And me, on the other hand, I'm like, well, I mean, it's a battery case and the case shows the battery and it's, that's pretty honest as far as I'm concerned. There's not, because in most of those cases, there's actually a lot of air in there because they sort of create a smooth transition between the battery and the back of the phone and so they have to create this big bulbous sort of enclosure right around it so that it doesn't have that lump right whereas on the other hand apple's like well why all this extra plastic and air to add extra bulk to it why don't we just you know put the bare minimum of plastic on this necessary to cover it and to make it a case and that's it and we're done. And I actually appreciated that. I thought that was clever, and I I did not have a problem with it, even though everybody else did, yeah. <laughs> pretty much on the planet, I was hated with, the sheep of that case.
0: I was with you. Uh, I'm also of, of the mind that I don't think that the way you charge the Mighty Mouse is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I'm okay with the <laughs> lightning port underneath, because you but. only need to plug it in for a couple of minutes, and it gets a charge for months, and if they put it where everybody thinks it should go so that you know it would plug in the top it would it, you'd have to design a totally different mouse there's no there is no room for a port given the design of that mouse
1: well john you're on your own with the mighty mouse but i appreciate you making the argument <laughs> I, that,
0: I'm just saying I'm not I, you know so no, I, I, don't, I don't
1: I don't have one so right. I haven't like had to use
0: it or experience well, it that's so it. I can I, make no value judgment. I have on one that came with my iMac years ago and I've you mm-hmm. know I don't know it's just sitting on a shelf somewhere so maybe maybe right. I shouldn't speak to it because I don't use it. But anyway, yeah, I was fine with yeah, the know. battery case too. The other thing with the battery case design was, uh, it wasn't just truthfulness like here's the battery. It was also by putting it in by centering it. It meant there was no battery covering the antennas at the top or bottom, and that's a huge problem right. with these battery cases because the all the the okay. the, the materials. Okay. I never a,
1: put two and two together there. That makes a lot of sense.
0: The materials in a battery are not good for uh, cell phone reception or a, any antenna reception. I don't know, you know, probably all of them: Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, everything. Um, and so mm-hmm. that that if you think about that, the that the where the battery hump was it's away from the top and bottom and that's why and apparently that's and and, you know they you know all a battery case for a battery case to work it has to be well i guess it doesn't have to somebody could obviously just make some crazy uncertified lightning connector and use it but -hmm. because it has to have a lightning connector um it has to be mfi certified and apparently you know there's this whole uh Actually, we could talk about the cables, but the, um, this whole MFI thing is fascinating, but nobody really like Nilay Patel has said that, you know, the verge has been trying to get the story for for like over a year and they just, they, they're coming up empty because nobody will talk about it because of the, the terms of the agreement, you know? And there's, it's like, you become an MFI license licensee and you, you're subject to like big fines. I mean, like $10 million fines or something. If you, you know, like get talk, talk about the confidential nature of the agreement. So nobody talks about it. Um, So it's a very secretive world, (laughs) which in turn, you know, and you know, you're in the business too. It, it makes you think, well, that's a good story, right? (laughs) Like, right. Yeah, it does. You Mm -hmm. hear this is secretive and, and there's all sorts of crazy rules and instantly, you know, your light bulb goes on. You think I would like to have that mm-hmm. story. <laughs> who can I get mm-hmm. to talk about? Um, but apparently b- with battery cases in particular, you know, part of it is just Apple being Apple. But part of it too, is that they, you know, they don't want you to, they don't want, they're not going to certify a case. If you put your iPhone in the case and all of a sudden it, it gets bad cell phone reception because who are, who are people going to blame? They're going to blame Apple right. People aren't going to think, and it's natural, right. Mm, You would think, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, brand X, let's just say, you know, uh, you know, or let's just say like Mophie, I don't know. I mean, Mophie makes cases, but, but they're a well-known brand. Um, Their cases are fairly premium priced. So you would think, you know, well, this isn't going to, you know, Make my cell phone not get good Wi-Fi, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're mm-hmm. so you would it just you would just think like all of a sudden if everything you know your cell phone is slow and you start missing phone calls or phone calls drop or whatever you wouldn't think to blame the case you would just think it a problem with your phone, right? But that's why there's so few there are there just aren't many battery cases you know and well
1: there. there's there was none for the ten
0: right 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 um, and Mophie's just and came they, out. But that's for the yeah, iPhone right. 10. And, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's certified for the 10s, even though mm-hmm. the 10s is almost the same size. It just has like a slightly different camera bump.
1: Well, and the antennas are different. Yeah. Too. So right. I don't know if that makes any difference. You right. Know? Um, yeah, the MFI thing is strange. I mean, it's certainly i've heard very much the same you know very draconian terms and they like to keep it secret and all of that stuff and, and everybody's reluctant to talk about it they certainly have been reluctant with me as well um but i have been able to talk to some of them i think when it when it comes to a real pain point they're willing to talk because right. they view the press as a as a crowbar of sorts right. you know um i just i don't think that 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 this scenario is necessarily a big pain point for them it's just sort of you know, the cost of doing business and what they expect, you know, I don't, I don't think any of them are, are really worrying about these things like, like we as consumers may do because to them it's money and so they're making money and they don't really care. Um, the last time I was able to shake anything loose out of that whole sort of cabal of manufacturers was when the home stuff started transitioning to, uh, you know, kind of a more secure chip. Hmm. um you know they they were sort of willing to talk about it to a degree because there was some pain there because they had to switch to a hardware solution um that was more specific and it caused delays and they were essentially the all the manufacturers were getting blamed for the delays when in reality it's like apple's like hey you got to do this thing it's harder it's better for security it'll be better for customers and they were right you know in, in the end of course but it still caused them a lot of grief and a lot of sort of customer blowback and and bad publicity or whatever. So people were more willing to kind of talk to me and say, look, here's what happened. You know, Apple says this new home system, you know, has to have, you have to have this hardware chip, has to have hardware protection has to have this strong kind of like essentially two factor, you know, authentication that says that I'm a, I'm the owner of this hardware device and, you know all of that, which makes it better than most of the the smart home stuff out there, and harder to to kind of circumvent. You know, get you know Apple nanny cams or, or MFI right. nanny cams that are easy for people to stoop on. You know, right. by extension of all of this, but I, I certainly think that there is an opportunity there was an opportunity them for them there to be like we need people to know this is apple you know causing this delay and not right. us so when it comes to that so that's what you need to do if you really want them to talk you need to find the pain and right. leverage the pain i mean i'm just speaking as a <laughs> as a reporter here this is this is the way you do it you know you yeah. go what's your pain point You know, do you want to talk about it? You know, let's let's discuss it. What's the issue? And then, of course, from that point, you do your due diligence and figure out whether you know they have a it has merit or or not. But um, that's how you get to open up about this. And I just don't think it's too much of a pain right now because they're making money and everything's fine.
0: You know. All right, let me take a break here. Thank our third sponsor. It's Trace Pontas. Trace Pontas sells single family estate coffee. It's owned by the Race family, in brazil and it is terrific coffee they they describe it as premium select coffee i'll tell you what it is it's good coffee that's what it is uh one of the things that's great about it is that they don't it's it's so easy to decide which one to get because it's not like they've got like 20 different varieties it's one variety of coffee that's just good good coffee and you select the roast they've got like a light roast a medium roast Uh, darker roast and then the French roast is like the darkest Uh, you can if you want to get started you could just buy a couple if you're not sure what type of roast you like I personally I like I like the light or the medium I'm not a dark roast coffee person Uh, but you might be some people are Uh, you can buy you know three or four different varieties see which one you like best Uh, and the thing about coffee, and I always mention it with this, is that coffee is a perishable item. It's almost more like a fruit. It is something that loses, it doesn't like go bad, but it loses freshness. You want fresh coffee. When you buy Trace Pontas coffee, they roast it and ship it to you. They're roasting it themselves. They tell you the date is on the package. Like, And I have this subscription now. And a lot of times the coffee is at my house. Ding dong, there's the shipment, here's the box. And I look and the date of the roasting was like two days before it's in my hands. Like that's how fresh it is. You can get it at Amazon, go to Amazon and search for Tres Pontas. And when you get it from Amazon, they encourage you to do it. Uh, It's still shipped and fulfilled from the Tres Pontas people. It's not sitting in an Amazon warehouse. You're getting the same fresh coffee. Uh, It's really great. So here's the thing. You can just buy coffee, of course. But they also have subscriptions. And a subscription you can sign up to get some every week, every two weeks, or every four weeks. It's your choice. You can change at any time. And when you sign up for a coffee subscription, you save ten percent off every bag of coffee. Now they've also got a special deal for listeners of the talk show. If you use the code THE TALK SHOW at checkout, when you buy a coffee subscription, you save an extra ten percent. So you, as a listener of the show, will be saving. Twenty percent on every bag of coffee when you get a subscription. Not a bad gift idea either. If there's anybody on your holiday shopping list left and you don't know what to get them and they like coffee, why not pay for a one year subscription to trace Pontas, give them the gift of coffee that keeps on giving. Uh, and the other thing they have, again, they don't even pay me to say this, that I'm supposed to tell you about the coffee, but they've got, uh, olive oil too, that comes from a single farm in Chile, uh, I believe. And it's good. They sent me this olive oil. It's really good olive oil. Uh, So you think, well, what, that's weird. Why would somebody sell coffee? Why would they sell olive oil too? It seems like a weird pairing. That's sort of what the Trace Pontas brand is, is they're just sort of going around the world to find like single family farms that grow really good gourmet products. And then they bring them to the United States. That's, you know, and around the world, that's what they're doing. So It's, it's not really, you know, I've never heard of a company that sells olive oil and coffee before, but it makes sense when you think about it that way. So my thanks to them, go to dot com and remember that code, the talk show and you'll, everybody gets free shipping in the USA, whether you go to Amazon or if you go to the trace Pontas website, dot com slash coffee. If you just want to start at the coffees. Uh, So here's the thing on the MFI thing. I, I wrote recently about, uh, the weirdness of the USB-C cables right now, and how it is—we're so many years into the USB-C Apple world, right? Like the MacBook, and you know, now all of the new MacBooks come with USB-C, right? It's now that the Airs come out, the new Airs come out. Where you know they still sell the old Air, but in terms of what's the latest model, all of the MacBooks now are USB-C. Uh, but you the only two cables in the world that you can buy that go from USB-C to Lightning are Apple's cables. They have a one-meter cable and a two-meter cable. Uh Apple's cables, much like their cases, <laughs> pretty expensive <laughs> compared to third parties. And unlike their cases, which I w- would argue are actually some of the best cases in the world, their cables, eh, you know, maybe the quality is not that so great. Certainly the durability on Lightning cables is questionable uh,
1: yeah yeah and i believe marco posted this and it made complete sense to me the immediate moment i read it um but there's a with the lightning cables a lot of the dur- durability issues of the cables obviously are based on the cable relief and all of that which is obviously physical and very easy to see but i was uh, encountering this period this issue on my cables a lot, and I I couldn't quite pin it down why they were failing on me, and I finally was able to figure it out um via reading this, and it made made complete sense. But they were coming up with these like blackened pins mm-hmm. on them, and then becoming very difficult to use to charge. You would like flip them over and try and scratch them off with your finger and stuff like this. But apparently the pins, you know, I've, well not apparently, I do know this for a fact. The pins in the to, to connect to charge and to transmit data are in the iPhone, right? So they're obviously they're not on the, the cable. The cable itself is flat contacts. Right. And the sort of pins on the iPhone are what, you know, make the the contact. Well those pins were are get bent. And right. when one of them gets bent, it creates this sort of like short Um, problem which kind of creates that carbonization the the blackening on that contact on the cable and then they no longer charge properly and this has been happening to me for years and you know ever since they kind of switched over to this this new pin system and um It's frustrating, you know. Your cable's perfectly fine, other than that you got one pin that's blackened and it barely charges, and you got to scratch it with your fingernail to try and clean it. And you know, maybe you can use an eraser or whatever. But the long story short is, it's it's kind of a flaw. I mean, not kind of flaw; it is a flaw, you know. And like that, that to me. Is irritating because, like, the rest of Lightning, I have no problem with. I'm unlike a lot of people who are USB C fanatics, and I am, you know, fine, whatever. You like USB C, cool. It works fine on the iPad, you know, I'm fine with it, I'm down. But at the same time, I don't have any problem with Lightning, and it's been around a long time. There's a lot of buy in now, it's fine. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Well, the (laughs) thing—the thing that that I learned—I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But what I learned when I started looking into this: why are there no third-party USB-C to Lightning cables? Is that um, every single MFI licensed Lightning cable is—you have to buy the actual Lightning connector from Apple. Like it's not like that you license a design and you get you as a cable, mm, you know, like whoever makes Amazon's lightning cables or, mm-hmm. um, uh, I always forget their name. What's the name? Uh, Mono price, Mono price, you know, as is, is one of my favorite places to buy cables because their prices are good and the cables are, you know, the prices are really low and the cable quality mm-hmm. is very good, but the actual lightning connector, even for Mono price or, you know, who makes millions and millions of cables, they all come from Apple. Um, and the, obviously it's like you need a new lightning connector for the usb-c ones because it can do higher power right you can plug you you can plug that into an 85 watt uh macbook pro charger right and you're not going to get 85 Mm -hmm. watts to charge your phone but the cable needs to negotiate that you know um whereas the old usb a connector you know the lightning cable that we all have a million of all over the place. Uh, you know, the, the most powerful thing you can plug that into as a USB port is, you know, like 18 Watts or something. Right. Um, and so Apple, you know, and Mac rumors had a story I, I linked to it. Uh, supposedly this problem, this log jam will be solved early in 2019 that Apple is, you know, the gears are in motion and third party companies are, have been told by Apple that they will get these, you know, these new lightning connectors will be available in 2019. But they they're like 4 bucks each. They're like twice the cost. So every single one of those, every even when you buy a third-party cable, app there's like a $4 lightning connector that Apple sold to the company.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and that's a huge expense for those companies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially, you mm-hmm. know, I mean I don't know what MonoPrice will, you know, charge, but you know, if they're selling $10 cables and it has a $4 lightning connector that's you know right a significant portion of it's, the cost
1: it, it's enormous right right, right. And, and monoprice is sort of known for passing on the savings to the customer so to speak by you know producing and and you know producing the cables directly or right. buying them direct from the factory and selling them and they're decent cables, you know. I've always used their stuff uh, right. in a wide variety of audio and video applications. Yeah. It's always been great, but when you cut into their margins that hard, then you start to go like, "Hey, how how long are they going to stand for it?" You know?
0: Yeah, and I don't even know that it's you know, I I don't think that they are raising the prices on it just arbitrarily. I think it actually is a more expen you know, it makes sense that it would be more expensive if if it supports you know, it's technically more difficult because it's whatever. <laughs> But yeah,
1: and, and you know, Apple makes a ton of devices, but still, right. when you look at every USB C device, period, versus only lightning devices, it, it's probably there's probably a disparity
0: there. Yeah, the other th- the thing I you learned know, after I, I wrote about this, the, the, I got an email from a reader, uh, you know, who's who is in the third party lightning world, and uh, mm-hmm. they told me that last year. There were, there were like, I don't know, four or five months where there were no lightning connectors available p- to third parties, period, because Apple w- was consuming the entire supply. Every single lightning connector that, that was being made, Apple needed because they were putting three in every box with the iPhone X. And I was like that. That doesn't even make any sense. Why would there be three lightning connectors in the iPhone 10 box? But you think about it, there were. There was one for the charger cable, mm-hmm. one for the headphones, and then one for the headphone mm-hmm. adapter. Um, and mm-hmm. it literally – they th- that – and and you know what, well, how many do they sell a, a quarter? They sell I don't know seventy million iPhones. I don't know how many iPhone tens they sold because they didn't break it down. But you know, figure fifty million or something like that. So you know, fifty million iPhones means one hundred and fifty million Lightning connectors in the boxes. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs>
1: yeah. When you think of the scale, it's pretty pretty wild. <sighs> yeah. And so, and so that means you know the third parties unfortunately i mean not only is apple making money but they also have the sort of setup the room where a delay like that is not going to kill them even if it happens but a third party that might kill them you know right like it if you're trying to make cables and you think you got a unique marketing spin hey we're gonna make cables that are pink you know yeah. or wrapped in in horsehair or whatever you know whatever they do um if you're basing your business off of those those connectors you're kind of boned you know yeah. you don't have the runway to to make up for that
0: yeah uh, i it just is mind boggling to me that that you just don't think of that but it really could be the case that you know one of the reasons they don't give you the headphone adapter anymore is that it's they you don't know. have enough of them. Well, that, you <laughs> know, making when you when you're working at the iPhone scale, it, it really does yeah. it really makes a difference. You know, fifty million extra headphone adapters is is like a serious operational issue.
1: Right. I mean, even if it costs them fifty cents, that's twenty five million dollars. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> and I guarantee you it probably costs them a little bit more than that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of mind boggling. Yeah. Anything else? What else do you want to talk about?
1: can I can't think of anything burning at the moment.
0: The only other thing I I just want to touch on briefly is oh. uh, the 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 MacBook Air, the new MacBook mm-hmm. Air, and is it is it a I like it and I tend to think that that is you know the just the the nut of my review was this is the MacBook that most people should buy, and mm-hmm. I've seen some pushback on that. On the grounds of why would you know why buy the MacBook Air instead of the uh, the thirteen inch MacBook Pro without the touch bar the aka the MacBook escape because it's it's significantly faster uh, only marginally heavier it's like a quarter of a pound or something, but pretty insignificant and even in terms of thickness it's it's like the teardrop shape of the air is sort of an illusion. You know, that it's really just mm-hmm. the side and that if you actually put them side by side, by vo- it's actually not that much smaller by volume. And I don't know why I feel, nah, I still I still like the Air. I don't know why that is. I'm curious what your mm. thought is, you know, a month now, you know, now that it's been out for a while and it's not new, where your thoughts have settled on the MacBook Air versus the... Yeah.
1: The keyboard's better yeah. than the MacBook's. Like well, pros you know um and by better, I mean it has a different feel, and if you like that different feel, it's better yeah. you know right and um i am I'm, I'm fine with the pro I have a pro and i 'm fine with the keyboard to be honest i don't, it doesn 't bother me, but I certainly understand that a lot of people it does bother them, and if it bothers you it's a great option, you know uh especially if you type a lot and don 't do a lot of other things you know yeah. um, and I think the same people that argue. That Chromebooks are just fine because we do all of our work on the web now, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this is an excellent computer for that kind of workflow. So if you if you're a student and you do a lot of your work in Google Docs, or or you know, in corporate world and do a lot of your work in Google Docs, I mean, there's it's hard to argue against a computer like the Air, which may not edit video all that fast, right. but certainly is an excellent overall computer and lighter or lighter than the MacBook pro for sure. Um, and, and great keyboard and proven to work for a long period of time. You know, it's, it's hard to argue against it as an option. Um, I feel that I still like the shape of it. I like the angle. Um, I like, you know, my hand rest feels, it feels better there. Uh, I don't like the high lip of the MacBook pro. Yeah. Um, I tend to, I tend to have a little bit lazier, you know, typing, um, um, stance. So I like the fact that it has that nice low lip so I can kind of rest my arms on the table. Um, I like the shape of it. It's pleasant. Um, I just think there's not a lot to recommend against it. It's not right. so much as I'm advocating it, for it as, like, you know, the best computer or whatever. It's just there's – it's hard to find arguments against it. It's like, wh- why, why don't you want it? And the arguments against it, I think, are largely centered on, well, wouldn't you want the maximum performance right. for the price? Right. And I think for some people that's absolutely true. Sure. You know, if you're, if you're a you know, burgeoning YouTube star, you should get a MacBook Pro. So right. that you can edit your videos and uh, save, you know, time under, save time on your save time on your export. Right, exactly. Save time on your rendering and export all of that stuff. It makes total sense for you to to consider it from that angle, from that perspective. Um, but you know, if you're a student who wants a computer that is you know a reasonable price, uh, certainly cheaper than a MacBook Pro, but does everything pretty much by the book and is really well proven at this point I think a lot of people are completely fine to say oh you should wait and buy the next gen you know whenever any new Apple product comes out um, and they're're they're right to many degree you know in many ways there's always some weird little quirks when Apple kind of invents something new um, because it's completely fresh and it, the second generation is often fixes those problems this is proven and very well known uh, well you really can't get much more nailed down than this All right you know, if you if you want to talk about reliable and lack of fuss and probably not a lot of weird uh, manufacturing quirks or any issues, this is an extremely proven design and platform. Uh, so it's also going to be reliable and going to yeah. be you know, you're going to have a lack of surprises on that front. Right, I and
0: the, the air is still you know a month old or six weeks old, however long it's been. But mm-hmm. the third generation keyboard design came out in the summer with the touch bar MacBook pros and, you know, six months is, you know, you expect to get a lot more than six months out of a keyboard. So we'll see how it goes, but so far anecdotally, it seems like this the third generation design with the membrane has solved the reliability problems with the keyboard. I mean, it, it, right. It, it, I'm not saying nobody has an issue with the keyboard, but it certainly doesn't. It seems like the problem that was a real problem it has been solved.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, the reliability for sure seems to be better. I don't know if it has fixed any problems, re yeah. people's feel. You know, if people had problems with the feel, they probably. I don't know if it has rectified all that much for, for them, but it's certainly from a reliability perspective, I think that people seem to feel better about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good summary. That's probably my take too. I, I still feel. I'm still. A big fan of the new air. I really, really like it.
1: Yeah, I am too. I mean, I don't think it's irrational either. You know, I think some people want to put it in that bucket. You're like, Oh, you just like it because you know, of what it used to be or the the concept, you know, the original concept. And I think the concept still holds up. It's a light computer. It's extremely pleasantly shaped. It's well-made and it does exactly what you need it to do. You know, what more do you want?
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, have a good holiday. Have a good Thank holiday you. season. Uh, yeah, everybody yeah, me too. can everybody me too. can can see your work at TechCrunch, of course, and uh, follow you on Twitter at uh, at Panzer P A N Z E R. Uh, my thanks to our sponsors. We had uh, Linode, Trace Pontos, and uh, Jamf Jamf Now, where you can manage manage your uh, Apple devices. Thank you, Ma- Matthew. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.